Welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Diogen Tirandekura. On this show, you will discover the realities, the successes and the struggles of business management and information technology consultants in the fast-moving B2B world. So stay tuned if you want to know more about what it takes to have a consulting lifestyle. My guest today is Wendy Maynard. Wendy Maynard is a marketer and a business strategist, but first of all, she is just a brilliant individual and professional. Basically, during this episode, we will learn about her career story and the fact that she created, uh, co-founded a uh, marketing company successfully, making up to uh, to multiple seven figures while working 40 hours or working like a normal amount of, of hours per week and she decided to uh, to exit the company. So we will be talking about uh, things like partnerships, uh, how to uh, find and choose and pick uh, the clients that you really want, uh, how to uh, charge the prices uh, that you think you're, you're worth and how you take care about your own lifestyle while serving your clients uh, as a consultant. For anyone that will be interested into uh, getting to know more about uh, about Wendy and her services, I will encourage you to go into the show notes or to write down with a pen and a paper uh, the link for her webinar uh, that is open on her uh, personal website, which is basically wendymaynard.com slash webinar. So, Listen to the episode and learn all the value bombs that you will be dropping. Hello and welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast to Wendy Maynard. Wendy, how are you? I am so great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks. Thank you for, uh, for coming on. And uh, I'm very excited to, to have you because... Uh, you have a pretty uh, pretty unique uh, experience and uh, you have uh, pivoted in your career uh, successfully and i think there is a lot of good things that we can learn from the audience for the audience um so but first let's start by uh, having you sharing a bit of your uh, career story yeah absolutely so um my consulting business is relatively new in that um i started it almost three years ago now, I guess it's been two years and about nine months. But um, before that, so I make a horrible employee, I should let some of your listeners know. (laughs) And so I've always been an entrepreneur, Um, even in the early, you know, in the early part of my career, when I was doing crazy, trying things like Mm -hmm. selling crafts and and whatever, right in my 20s. But um. I also, in my uh, journey, I co-founded a marketing firm and opened that, opened the doors of that in 2000, um, started it at zero and was um, really fortunate and privileged enough to be able to grow that to a multi-million dollar level. I was there for almost just, you know, a hair short of 18 years. And then I ended up selling my half of it. Um, because, because everybody asked me, well, why did you do that? Um, and I actually live in a small town in Southern Oregon. Mm-hmm. The firm is in Portland, Oregon, and that's about 300 miles away. So I was traveling a lot. And when I sold it, I had at the time a nine-year-old and 
Actually, that's not true. He was littler. So like a seven and a half year old and a one year old. Mm -hmm. And I just needed to be, I just needed to be home for my babies more because I was always flying up there. I was staying and I was also flying to um, company meetings. The firm was continuing to grow, which Mm -hmm. was fantastic. But um, my family just, you know, needed me not to travel so much. It was getting cumbersome. So I really wanted to transition into a, um, a situation where I was more in control of my time. And so now I have a consulting business where I do uh, 95% of everything virtually. Yeah. So I guess it's not only time, it's also control of location. uh, Exactly. Yeah. Ah, excellent. And uh, uh, the, the, the partnership was that a a CEO, COO partnership type and, uh, you, you had to be present or? Yeah, I actually wasn't this, uh, I wasn't the COO. So my business partner, um, and, and I would recommend this. Well, first of all, I wouldn't recommend um, anyone going to partnership. It's, it's, it's kind of a rocky road. Now we did great. We had almost an 18 year relationship, but I, I've just seen enough partnerships in working with clients go nuclear. Actually, I say, you know, just progress yeah. with caution because I have clients who ask me about that. Um mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, we had an 18 year run. So I think that's a huge success by any, any, you know, you know, standards, anyone standards. So, <laughs> um, but in terms of, um, actually repeat your question. I'm sorry. I kind of uh, lost no, track. No problem. No problem. I was, uh, I was asking the, the, the type of partnership in the sense of which roles did you, oh, yes. both of you share in the company? Yeah. Sorry about that. And so in the partnership, so my business partner was actually the CEO and was in charge of business development. And my role was really as the strategist. So I was the person who worked closely with the clients so CEOs and their leadership team. So really what I'm doing now is what I've always done. And then as we grew and added employees, I trained the strategists. I would facilitate the meetings teach them our proprietary processes and so on to really grew the strategy department from within as well as working directly with the clients. Wow. Congratu- uh, congratulations. Uh, congratulations on the fact that it's a long partnership, that it became a, a successful company. Uh, yeah. It's not always easy. Uh, today we are in 2020 and you started in 2000. So it must be another world when we talk about marketing strategy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes I am a little bit hesitant to talk about it because it makes me feel old, but I guess it's the truth. So when we first started, um, when we first started, most companies didn't even have a website, right? And then yeah. when they did, they were just these little, you know, hinky dinky sort of uh, boxy kind of sites. And I think at the time, like Facebook was actually still something where, you know, Zuck and his buddies were trying to look at the hottest females and most <laughs> of the social media sites that are around weren't even a thing. Blogs weren't even a thing. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a, a, a totally different world and uh, you have uh, gone through all those waves of changes that have happened in the past 20 years. So to me, that says a lot. There is, um, you, you must be someone that tried to stay current or ahead uh, yeah. of, the, uh, of the curve. So uh, um, what I love you- new, yeah, I love new things. I'm not on TikTok. I'm not. I know that's <laughs> the latest and greatest. Sorry, Gary V. I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> Okay, I was not going there. <laughs> <laughs> but true, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe your children will soon be there. But uh, yeah, well, I'll be karaokeing you. along with them, right? <laughs> yeah, but that also maybe because uh, the, the the clients that you uh, that you serve, because we are in a B two B consulting podcast. Maybe the clients that you serve are not there either, or not many of them are there either, uh, yeah, as well. I'm hanging out on TikTok. Yeah. Okay. And uh, do you? 
so so you work as a as a marketing and business uh, strategist yeah um if i say business somebody is a business strategist i would be like okay what's a strategy what's a business strategist i mean yeah. just uh, if you can explain it in just normal words simple words uh, for the audience e- Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's probably a million different types of business strategy. What I help my clients with is I really help them to grow their audience, to really get their messaging and their marketing dialed in, help them attract premium clients, um, and then um, really fully serve them by providing premium packages because um, it's, you know, people really want the whole entire lobster dinner served to them. Um, And it's a win-win both for the client because you show up as an expert and you fully serve them. Um, But it's also a win for the business owner um, because you're getting, you know, bigger packages and you have a higher ability to um, serve your clients better. So, you know, when you're talking about consulting, like this is perfect for consultants. And then I also show my clients how to roll folks into uh, recurring monthly revenue. So some some sort of retainer um, that could be a, you know, three months, six months stint, or it could be multi-year. So um, it's really attracting that premium client, getting very clear on who you want to work with. And, and, you know, again, I do B2B. So um, how to attract that business client and then, how to really get them into your world and retain them for a long time because that's where the profit is. Yes, and uh, we part part of the audience. You will have a lot of uh, uh, experienced professionals that are experts at uh, a specific a specific thing, and uh, for them, it is difficult to uh, get out of that uh, expert role because beyond the expertise, there is, as you said, uh, the different types of packages that could be offered. But actually. Uh, if I am a, uh, for example, in my uh, in my case, I know the SAP software. I'm an SAP consultant. An SAP consultant is just working in the system and uh, analyzing processes, and that's it. I'm not doing thinking about all those uh, premium packages because I have to deliver the work. So how do you um, make them? Maybe you don't have to give a total course, huh? <laughs> but yeah. Sense, how do you make them realize that it's more than just their expertise? It's more than just about their expertise. Yeah, that's actually a fantastic question. And so what I find with a lot of the folks that I work with uh, who are like you, who come out of um, a a corporate world, they're super, super smart and skilled at what they do, but they've been sort of so steeped in that departmental culture that they don't really see the bigger picture of, okay, I've been doing this thing for 15 years, now what? Um, and one of the things that I really help my clients who are, you know, who they've been in that background to see is like, oh my gosh, like you are so amazing at this thing. Let's extrapolate it and we can apply it over here. And so you're using really the same knowledge, the same skills, the same everything. But, um, you know, in terms of your strategy, there's a, there's a new twist on it. So I'll give you an example. So there's one client she was really steeped in systems within the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't even know exactly what she did, but she had been doing that for a long time. She was really good at it. But again, you know, in the corporate environment, like probably a lot of the people listening. Um, and so what we did is we crafted offers um, and retainers. But what she now focuses on is helping um, agency owners, so like marketing firms, um advertising agencies, creative Mm -hmm. agencies, 
to really um, get exceptional at their project management, getting the, the softwares in place, getting their project managers up, this, up to speed. And it was kind of a pivot. And we talked a lot about all the different things she could do. But this niche is her sweet spot and her business is just um, really taking off. And so that's what I mean. Like she took the same skills that she had been using and then she found uh, a group of people who could use those superpowers, but use them in a way that was a huge need. Now she didn't, she didn't do those things in her corporate job, but her skills were super transferable. Yes, so 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 important what you just said the the ability to transfer uh, the skills towards uh, a kind of ideal uh, ideal customer or ideal type of uh, of customer that is that is so important because we are we are not used to choose our customers our employer chooses them for us he, he sends them in, yeah. in assi- he sends us in assignments so it's like totally new for uh, for a lot of consultants to to do that yeah and sometimes in the corporate world. Um you are, you're in, your, your clients are actually internal. And so like I, like I had another client I was working with, um, same, really similar situation. He was in healthcare, maybe a hospital. I can't remember exactly, but he was the guy who did their IT, their, their tech, their server maintenance. Right. But what we discovered is he's super smart, but because he was in the healthcare world, he really understands a lot of that language. And then kind of as a hobby, he loves to write and he had gotten um, a lot of traction with some Kindle books. Mm -hmm. And so what he's done is taken his expertise and he's going to high level experts like doctors, like high level experts in their field, consultants that are already at the top of their game and showing them how to leverage a Kindle book to get on TV, to... Um, get in like high speaking gigs, that type of thing. So again, like it's, it's this weird sort of thing where he couldn't see exactly how he could make everything work, but now he's got this amazing business with premium packages. Yeah. And he, he's certainly having fun uh, doing, doing it because he's exactly doing it's what he loves. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And maybe to come, uh, to come back a little bit on the, on the partnership subject. Yeah. Um, I'm tempted to ask, okay, would you have done things differently 20 years ago? But maybe what are the advantages of uh, doing being a partner versus uh, working uh, working for alone, if I can say it like that? I think the biggest advantage is that you can bring two uh, really different skill sets together and um, you can complement each other. And so the, I, you know, I've, and I've actually worked with a lot of leadership teams who have this. I always think of the visionary and the pragmatic pragmatist kind of making the perfect partnership. So if you think of, to me, the quintessential example of this is Walt Disney and his brother, Roy Disney. So Roy could not have made all the money that he did if he didn't have Walt's vision. Walt's amazing vision would never have been able to come to fruition if he didn't have Roy raising the money, doing the numbers, making all of the behind the scenes happen. And so this is like, I see this so often, and sometimes it's not a partnership. Sometimes it's with the CEO and the CEO that they hire, mm-hmm. but you'll see this dynamic play out a lot. But that's a perfect example why you might want to partner with someone because you're a visionary and you partner with a pragmatist or vice versa. 
Okay, okay, great. And uh, that could be sometimes the, the next moves that one uh, consultant will want to do. Maybe they want to, to partner, find partners uh, for, uh, for them. Uh, and do you, was your partner like a, a common um, a friend or was it just a personal, no, professional uh, relationship? I don't know. Yeah, we had a friendship um, and we actually started uh, with a third partner at the time. Now, mm -hmm. the thing I will say is that when we started it, we were in our late 20s. So I can't say that there was a whole lot of forethought into it. Like I mm -hmm. definitely wouldn't recommend the route that we did, which was sort of along the lines of let's start a business. I mean, yeah. we definitely each had our areas of skills. And so Um, I was a business writer. Our third partner, she didn't stay in the partnership very long, but she brought um, a lot of facilitation skills to the table. And then my business partner that I stayed with, he brought design and, and gra you know, graphic skills to the mm -hmm. table. Um, and then eventually we sort of took those into more leadership roles. But in the beginning, it was just some skills that yeah. complemented each other. And again, I don't know if I would recommend the way we did it because there was not a lot of forethought. And that's just being super yeah. honest. But we were young. Yeah, yeah. But also um, uh, at that time, there was much less uh, literature, videos, etc., on business and entrepreneurship. Oh, my gosh. There was nothing. There yeah. was nothing. <laughs> like, and in terms of growing my business, like I had to learn everything by falling on my face first. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's a totally different world in which you uh, find different yeah. world. I mean, different uh, um, context. Uh, then with your uh, you alone uh, since about three years, right? Yeah. Yes, it's about three years. You you are alone. You uh, start or you restart from scratch your uh, your email list uh, on LinkedIn, etc. And then you have, I noticed that you have a, a big Facebook group. Uh, I think it's huge in my opinion. It's almost four <laughs> thousand members. Yeah. So uh, why do you think uh, you you had a need to build a community around your uh, your service and your brand? Yeah, so I don't I don't think a Facebook group is for everyone or a LinkedIn group for that matter. I don't particularly like the LinkedIn group algorithm, but that's a topic for another podcast. Um, <laughs> the uh, the reason why I did it, I think, is because I'm an extrovert stuck behind a computer, um, and so <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I, I you know I needed I needed some folks to talk to, and it seemed like a real natural fit for my personality. And you certainly don't need a group to be successful because it does take a big investment of your time. It takes a lot of nurturing. I, I have a, a team member who helps me run it, you know, so it, it, it definitely is something that you should consider carefully. Um, that said for me and my personality, it's worked really well. Um, and I definitely get clients from there. Uh, I think the biggest thing prior to starting a group is that like a lot of things you have to ask yourself, what is the purpose of this group? What, are the, what is the personality of the group? What do I want to accomplish from this group? Like really consider all the, the, the kind of the aspects and the, the brand around the group that you want to create before you go into it. Yeah, and um, that's a good warning. And also, uh, do you have a routine as to uh, how many hours do you dedicate uh, working on the group or is it spontaneous and... Um, probably a little bit of both. Like I said, at this point with, the um, almost now 4,000 members, I have a, a Facebook group manager who helps me. Okay. So she helps answer questions. She helps come up with prompts. Um, usually we'll come up with a theme at the beginning of the month and then she'll now at this point we've worked together for long enough. I think it's a couple of years that like 
we get each other. So Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of, I mean, she just kind of runs, you know, kind of runs on her own, but um, she really helps me a lot. And so the way that I do it is I go in, I engage with people, I answer questions and I try not to spend too long in there, but I do go in there every day. Um, well, except on the weekends, cause on the weekends I'm with my real bosses, right? They're short and loud <laughs> and they run fast. Yes. They run fast. they run fast. Yes. They're my real bosses. So on the weekend, I'm not in there so much, but, um, but I, um, uh, the other thing is, is like, I'll do lives in there, which I, I like Facebook for, uh, not everybody on LinkedIn has lives at this point. Um, and so I'll run lives yeah. and I'll make bigger pushes if I'm launching something or trying to get people into a program or one-on-one. And, and so there'll mm-hmm. be big pushes when I'm in there a lot. Okay. Okay. Great. I assume that you have already requested to have the LinkedIn live. I like three times. I'm waiting. Oh my I'm waiting. God. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that would go. That would go. I haven't. I haven't reached the. I haven't reached the special level yet. I guess. <laughs> I'll keep asking. It's. It's not. Uh, it's not related to followers. There are people that have not many followers, and they get the LinkedIn live. It's just. I know. I almost feel like it's happens. who's on. Who's on? Like who's working that day, and if they're feeling in a good mood. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Ask it on a Sunday morning, maybe. Exactly. There you go. Um, th- then there is um, th- th- there is also LinkedIn. Actually, now it's a good segue to talk about LinkedIn. Yeah, uh, I'd love to. That's how I I discovered you. And you you produce a lot of content. You produce some videos. You produce some text. I think on a daily basis, you you must be at least uh, posting, be posting uh, uh, one thing. Yeah, uh, I post at least once a day. Okay, yeah, and y- I guess you have fun doing it. Uh, but is it also a, a lead? Um, a good source of leads for you or it's just okay i'm I'm just having fun uh and i'm interact with people and uh, that's just part of my uh part of my uh good part of my day and then it's a supplement a bit my job yeah actually both i mean i have fun marketing i have fun getting out there like like i said i'm an extrovert stuck behind a computer so i need yeah. people and it's a good way for me to um connect with folks, um, LinkedIn is really actually becoming my favorite platform. And so I started on Facebook with my business activity. Um, and I think I just started there because I didn't, well, I guess three years ago, LinkedIn really hadn't triggered all its algorithm changes. It's gone through quite the metamorphosis in the last two years, really. Mm-hmm. And so I started on Facebook because it seemed at the time like a better place for me to get visible quick, to build my list, to do all of those things. I had the group. And then as I started to really refocus on LinkedIn, because I had been there to a certain extent with my marketing firm, but as I began to build up my audience with my own name, I realized like, oh my gosh, this is powerful. And I just actually ran my numbers the other day. And I want to say, I don't have it pulled up yet, but I think it was about something like, you know, okay, so I'm not math in my head person. So if I don't get these numbers right, no, no, no listeners like write in and say, when do you get her math estimation, But it's something like 40, 40 something percent of my clients, um, like in the last six months came from Facebook, like 37 came from LinkedIn and then the rest were referrals. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think it's going to get to where it's just 50, 50. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just because I've made a hard push in uh, 2019, but was have been active on Facebook longer. It might even yeah. LinkedIn may even eventually surpass Facebook. I would not be surprised because more and more people are uh, uh, get, becoming active on uh, on LinkedIn. 
yeah. approximately everyone has a has a Facebook account or they uh, decided to leave Facebook. Whereas LinkedIn is more like, okay, I'm just coming in LinkedIn. I see some, I see sometimes people saying, oh, I just started to, I just created my account three months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you don't really have that on Facebook. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, then uh, you said you said that you I think at the start of the interview you said that you um, work with approximately the same type of uh, of clients as uh, when you were in a, in partnership. Uh, sort of. Month. No, um, I would say it's different in um, in terms of the size. So when I was in the marketing firm, our sweet spot was really B two B companies um, from anywhere from about one to 2 million in annual revenue up to about 30 million. Um, and above that it starts to get too departmental. So for me, I really want to work directly with the CEO and the leadership team. But, um, that was, yeah, that was our sweet spot. Now, um, because I had been doing that for so long, I really needed a shift. So in my first um, six to 12 months after I'd left the marketing firm, that's what I started doing again. Like I started, I started working with that same type of client. And so I'm so sorry if any uh, people who I worked with are listening to this, but I was feeling a little bored because it was kind of like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for so long and this feels so rote. I just made this huge business transition. I have an opportunity to do something new and I was feeling a little stuck. I even felt like maybe I needed to change career. So I didn't know what was going on. Right. Like, and then I was like, what else am I going to do? What am I going to be a nurse? What am I, I kept thinking of all these things and I was like, eh. Um, and so then I started trying working with, um, solopreneurs and it really just fired me up. It, it was enough of a pivot, um, for me that I was having fun. And, and the thing I like about working with solopreneurs is it's, it's sort of, I wouldn't quite call you know, the small to medium sized businesses tanker ships, but let's think of a big boat. It takes a lot longer to turn. Whereas with a solopreneur, it's like a, like a, you know, little speedboat, they can turn on a dime. Exactly. And so if you, you know, when I work with them, they get success really quickly. And so that is super fun to see is someone getting results within a few weeks, a few months, you know? Yeah, they can see you. You you can see and they can see directly the impact of your of your work on their uh, on their results. Exactly. Uh, with the same same level, or I don't know, or maybe even less level of input uh, to give there. You know, a lot of people will recognize themselves in exactly what you said when uh, uh, when you said, "Okay, I was uh, bored," or maybe you just wanted to change. But a lot of people will uh, recognize themselves into that. Um, yeah. Then I have I, I have another thing. I think uh, listening to some of your interviews, you you have you you have some funny uh, acronyms and some funny. Uh, some <laughs> so there's just just one of the two that you could uh, uh, talk about is the your your PETA PETA acronym. Uh, oh yeah, the PETA clients. Uh, I talk about them the, all the, the time. The PETA clients and uh, and uh, and or the doctor pain. I I I, I found it so funny. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I could I could not laugh out loud, but I found it, I found them so funny, you know, because pita, yeah. pita in French is uh is actually a Middle Eastern food, good Middle Eastern meal. But, yeah, uh, we have pita bread here too. Ah, okay, it's, good. <laughs> but it's acronym. It's it's P period I period T period A period. And for those of you who are listening, it's a pain in the you know what client. So <laughs> I don't know if I can say it if you're if you're you know you. Uh, just in case kids are listening, whether you're, you yeah. know, I won't say it, but pain in the, you know what clients and 
I take a stand against that. So a lot of people think that they have to work with people who are mean, disrespectful, micromanagers, don't pay on time, nickel and dime them, all the things that make a difficult client. And I have proven again and again, both with myself, my own business, and with all the clients I've worked with, whether we're talking about solopreneurs or I've overhauled entire companies when I was at my marketing firm, mm-hmm. you can completely cherry pick your clients and have a entire company filled with clients you adore, who mm-hmm. pay you well, and who you know are, are, are respectful and, and you like the type of person you'd like to go and grab a coffee with because they're just nice people. Yes, uh, you 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 said something that a lot of people think is not possible, and uh, that's I know that's a lot of people think that they have to accept something less than that, and they absolutely do not. I talk a lot with my clients about thinking of their business as if they have a red uh, velvet rope, like the the like really fancy nightclubs in New York, yeah. where the, you know they only let the beautiful people in. Well, <laughs> you know you don't have to just let beautiful people in, but you can just let the clients who you want to work with kind of into your own nightclub, which is your business, right? And have yes. metaphorical bouncers just say no when you get red <laughs> flags in a sales conversation, because I guarantee red flags in a sales conversation always leads to a Peter client. Yes, yes. Uh, oh, that's great. That's a great analogy, the analogy of the nightclub. So now I, I'm, I'm kind of seeing my uh, yeah my business as a nightclub. That's good. Yeah, I, why I not? The type we can of have music, fun, the type right? of DJs uh, I want. You absolutely can. <laughs> the other thing I always say to my clients is, listen, your business, your rules. It's true. It's true. Uh, and um, there is something I had in my head with, uh, with regards to that. Yes, is that I think, I personally think that... Uh, um, it is rooted in our education, meaning that uh, uh, school, uh, anything that we have to do for, for school has to be boring, has to be hard, has to be difficult. And maybe we, we transport that into adulthood and we, uh, mm-hmm. we keep having that same mindset when we are working. I kind of think that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we come um, too often with this idea of scarcity. Um, and so like we have to worry about our competitors. We have to worry about grasping whoever comes to us. And if you shift to an abundance mindset and you realize, okay, like if you were, I mean, even a small business, like how many clients do you really need in a year to kind of meet your income goals? And depending on how much you're charging and what you're doing, I mean, that could be anywhere from 10 to a hundred, but even, even at a hundred people, like that is such a tiny drop in the bucket, even in the niche you serve, even with the type of clients you want to work with, no matter how far down you go that rabbit hole and defining your ideal client, there's still hundreds of thousands of them. There's just like plenty, plenty for you. So come, come, you know, from a place of uh, abundance and get very specific on who you want to work with and you'll attract them. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, very, very important as well. Where we tend to think, uh, if I don't have this, this client, it's the end of the world, etc. But uh, yes, the economy is big, and it's international as well. You're an example of that because you work from home. You can, I assume that you, have, <clears throat> sorry, that assume that you have clients that are not only in the US. Yeah, I absolutely do. I've worked with clients in the UK. I've worked with clients uh, in Australia. I actually am working right now. Um, with a client that I just got in Russia. So that's, and I can't, I, he's wow. from some city. I can't pronounce it. So there you go. I've tried. He okay. laughs at me. Okay. You speak Russian or it's. Uh, no, no, no. He speaks very good English. I speak no Russian, which is why I try to say a city and he laughs at me. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> okay, okay, okay. That's great. Um, also, um, maybe another uh, another thing is uh, what are now that you have transitioned and uh, you're you're successful now with your, uh, your your business and your community. Do you have other creative uh, projects, other ideas uh, for the for the future? Um. I mean, I am just rocking and rolling with my business. I have more um, like creativity within my business, but I couldn't say like, I don't have a bigger vision. This is going to be this huge thing. I, I mean, I've sort of done the bigger business and I'm, yeah. I've got some income goals. I've got the number of clients, like all of the things around that. But I think I want to reach like a certain level and just coast for a while. That that sounds pretty good. And uh, that's great. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty on fire this year, so I think I'm going to have some big wins, you know, just based on how January's closing out and mm -hmm. I expect this year. Um yeah, so but nothing like nothing like something that will blow your mind. Oh my gosh, I'm going to like get my uh, name name tattooed on 5,000 people this year. Like no, nothing that I can okay. describe that is crazy. Okay, great. Yes, yes. It doesn't have to be uh, like big in terms of numbers. It can just be another, uh, an, just another project or another idea. But that's great. I can see uh, people will not see it; they will hear it. But I can see in your eyes that you're already de determined with your uh, with your goals. So that that's great. Oh yeah, I'm fired <laughs> up. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so so that's great. I think we have uh, we have learned a lot uh, during this conversation. Meaning uh, talking about about partnership, uh, talking about uh, limiting beliefs with regards to pricing, with regards mm -hmm. to uh, the type of clients that uh, that one can get, and the fact that you that you build communities like on uh, on uh, Facebook and on LinkedIn, not on TikTok. You will not build anything on. TikTok. And not on TikTok. Not this year. I don't know. Uh, uh, not this year. Okay. Not this year. <laughs> Okay, it's it's January 2020. So uh, if you change your mind, you have 11 months to keep your word. There we go. <laughs> so uh, great. And uh, I have one uh, one last question. Uh, yeah, that's very really, very related to uh, your career path. Actually, it's uh, uh, for you. Uh, what does having a consulting lifestyle mean? Yeah, that's actually a great question. And so another thing that I take a big stand against is the hustle. Um, this embracing hustle. And so I have a lot of people who work with me who have certain things going on. Either they have kids that they want to spend time with. They just don't want to work as hard. Some of them have some health conditions that prevent them from working too many hours. There's a lot of stuff going on in people's lives, right? Mm -hmm. And so the truth is by working smarter and getting systems into your business, you don't have to hustle. I, you know, I grew a multimillion dollar firm essentially on, you know, a 40-hour work week. It's totally doable. I didn't have to work 70, 75, 80, 90 hours. And people run around bragging about how much they work. Well, I always wonder, like, are you working that smart? Or, you know, what are you doing for those 90 hours? I'd love to see one of their timesheets. Um, they probably don't keep track, but I would love to see an actual timesheet and see if people are being productive. So, you know, my thing is having work-life balance. And I encourage that in all my clients. And I encourage that of everyone listening. You absolutely yep. can work reasonable hours. You can have time with your family. You, If you set up systems, you don't have to be chained to your laptop. You can go take vacations. And so for me, like the consulting lifestyle is you have it all, right? Like yep. you have income, you have great clients, you have time with your family and friends. You get in your, you know, fitness goals, whatever it is, hobbies, Uh, that that to me is what it means. 
Uh, that's great. That's great. It's life, life in general. And that, that's a great answer. Uh, so uh, thank you very much, uh, Wendy. Oh my uh, gosh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, you're, you're welcome. And uh, it was a great interview. We get a lot of value. And uh, for sure, let's try to uh, speak again soon. That sounds fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes if you have enjoyed the episode and subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified to hear other episodes with your host, Diogène Tirandecourt.